0: As we go to prayer this morning, let me ask you this Do you believe God is able? Do you believe that? Let's lift up praise to Him. Father, today we as your people declare in faith that we believe nothing is impossible with you. Nothing is too big, nothing is too hard. And Father, I thank you that we can sing with absolute assurance that you will never fail us because you never fail. You never have, and you never will so, Father, today, establish that faith, that assurance inside each one of us. Because as we look at our lives and as we hear the whispers of the enemy and of our flesh, it tells us that we are without hope, that you will fail us, that you have abandoned us, or that your plan for us is not good. And, Father, I pray that as we bow before you, as we worship you, as we are reminded of who you actually are, that it would dispel the fears and the doubts that plague each one of us. And so, Father, right now, I bring before you all of your people. We put our burdens at your feet. I lift up those who are in the middle of deep parenting struggles. Father, and pour your grace on their lives, those who are facing real financial difficulties overwhelming things, Father, health struggles that seem to never end. These things, Father, you know how they discourage us. Relational issues, hurts from the past, job issues, family issues. Father, you know marriage things. We bring these burdens to you because our God is able, because his great name makes the enemy run. And because it dispels all darkness and fear. And so, Father, today, by faith, we come to you. Do the work in our lives that we desperately need. So we open up our hearts before you. And we bring ourselves to you with with, uh, an anticipation of what you have for us this day. Father, work beyond any human ability, beyond anything that, that I have to say or anything that we can do together. May your spirit be here. We are absolutely depending on you to do what only you can do. And so, Father, right now, we turn our hearts as completely and wholly as we can to you, laying aside every distraction, every weight, every burden. Father, we come to find rest in your presence, and I pray that you would grant us that peace, not peace of this world, but peace that comes only from you. So, Father, speak now, we pray. We give you this time. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray amen amen thank you have a seat this morning I want to take this opportunity to say thank you to each one of you for being here with us today Uh, it is an awesome thing to be together in the house of the Lord uh, to know that God meets with us that uh, where two or three are gathered in his name there he is in the midst and I I don't know that never gets old if you stop and think about it that never gets old does it that God Almighty comes here to this place to meet with us. Wow. That's just crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And uh, so we are privileged to have you here as well today. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, I know a lot of us are getting back into the swing of New Year, and this is a great thing to get back into, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today as we get into the to the Word, but I want to welcome you. I want to say to you, if you're a guest with us today, there are little blue cards like this. Hopefully, you got one on your way in. If you didn't, there are some on the back table. There are some at each door. There are some of the round tables out there. If you would fill that out for us. Uh, gives us a chance to find out if there's some way we can be uh, an encouragement to you or answer any questions for you, pray for you, uh, whatever. Just fill that out for us. It would be a a great opportunity for us to see if there's some way we can serve you spiritually. Even if it's something where you're you're not really looking for a church, you came to visit us today for some reason, that's fine. Um, But if you have something, a comment to make or a prayer request, the the family of God is bigger than territorial. It's not, are you part of us or are you part of them? We're all the family of God here. So even if you're at some other place and you just came by for a visit today, we're privileged to have you here, Um, but we want to be a blessing to you if we can. All right, we're going to go to John chapter 12 today. So if you want to take your Bibles and go there, we're going to uh, pick up. We went off to Christmas for a little while and and that whole study and we had a praise service in there. So it's been a few months, actually, since we were in the book of John. But we're going to pick up in the book of John in John chapter 12 today. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. Otherwise, the words will be up here as we read along. Um, And I want to kind of to think with you about, you know, New Year. It is a new year. Um, Some of you made resolutions. It's a good time of year for that. Um, People don't always follow through on their resolutions. Um, Do you know what the average length of time that a resolution lasts is? A week. A week. So you got a few more days, and then you can flush it, right? Obviously, some people last longer, and some people... It's done before New Year's is over, but, you know, people make resolutions and they, they, they plan for a fresh start. They, they you know, you, you sign up to go to the gym or, or, or something like that, or you, you're going to do better with your money this year or, or something like that. We vow to stop this and start that. And New Year's is a time where we, we try to do that. We try to get on track. But have you ever noticed that there's this, this pesky problem inside of us as humanity that very rarely do, do, do our decisions actually change anything we really think that the root problem is the decisions we make we'd like it to be a a declarative life where i just say from now on i will this and it happens but it doesn't does it why not what stops life from moving ahead the way that i've decided it should And so today, I want to talk to you about the one thing that will have more impact on how your life goes in this new year than anything else. It will define what you do. It will define how you experience life. It will absolutely determine the direction you take in every area of your life. Curious what that might be? It's not really that big a surprise, but maybe it kind of is. Simply said, what you believe will drive everything about your life. What you believe will absolutely determine every single moment of every single day of your life. It will drive what you do mentally, what you do emotionally. It will drive your physical actions and choices, your relational actions. It will drive your financial choices. It will drive how you spend your time and your energy, what you pursue. It will define everything, what you believe. Now, we talk about, when when you come to church, you expect to hear about believing. Believing is not that big a surprise. It's like, scandalous. Pastor Mark talked about believing today at church. I can't believe it. What was he thinking? Of course we're talking about believing, right? But maybe not in the way you think. And so we're going to really pull this apart today. Believing is a big deal in the stories that we find collected in the Bible. We're going to read John 12, uh, verses 45 down to the end of the chapter. And I really want to just take a look at a couple big thoughts here. Because here's kind of the deal. We're going to look at some words of Jesus. But this is outside of really the narrative of the book of John. Uh, A little while ago, uh, back when we were up at verse uh, 36, we saw the end of Jesus' public ministry. And so after we saw the end of his public ministry, what kind of happened was this. John went off on this little discussion to summarize both Jesus' ministry and people's response to it. And if you remember, we talked about they, they, he closed their ears so they won't hear and he blinded their eyes so they won't see and they wouldn't believe. And we went back to the prophet Isaiah where it talked about how they would reject him. How Jesus had called for people to do one thing. Believe in me. Believe in me. And they refused. And so he summarized that. And then what the Apostle John does here is he pulls a a little discourse, a little uh, paragraph or whatever, from Jesus' ministry. It's not meant to be the next thing in the story, so to speak. It's meant to summarize everything about what Jesus has been saying, what his ministry has been about in the book of John, in the gospel of John. And so we're going to kind of look at it in that context, that, that this is a summary and John gives us this quote from Jesus so that he can say, so here's the whole deal. Because we start chapter 13, we're in the upper room. Jesus is washing feet. It's the night before his crucifixion. And from John 13 on, we're kind of in that weekend. Last Supper, crucifixion, resurrection, till we get to you know, John 21 after the resurrection. So the most of the rest of the book of John is in a weekend, John 1-12 through 12 has summarized three plus ministries, three plus years of ministries in Jesus' life. And so I'm going to talk a little bit differently today. I'm going, to, I'm going to dig into the substance of this idea of this word believe. And the reason I want to do that is because we toss the word believe around so casually. What's it mean to believe? What's it mean to believe? And I, and I, I think that if you get the wrong idea about what it means to believe, it can have catastrophic effects on your life. You can go to church and someone says, well, just believe, just agree that Jesus is God. Just, yeah, I believe that. Okay, then you're saved. That's not how the Bible presents belief. How does the Bible present belief? When Jesus is calling for people to believe in him, what does he mean? What is the the nature of this idea of believing the way Jesus asks people to. What does it look like? What does it do? How does it work in our life? So bear with me. What we're going to do, first thing we're going to do is we're going to read what Jesus says here. Verse 44 down to the end of the chapter. Then I'm going to talk for a while and then we're going to come back and kind of look at how that comes out of here. Okay? So John chapter 12 verse 44 says this, Then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what my Father has told me to say. All right, so think with me, kind of like about this idea of believing. This idea of believing, okay? The whole point, in, in Jesus' ministry in the book of John is that Jesus has been calling for people to believe in him. And What does that mean? And when I say that what you believe will define everything about your life, what am I talking about? Let's do a quick case study. Can we do a quick little case study? We'll be very scientific here. All right. You have a phone and you get and send texts on your phone. Now, for some of you, this is like, you know you're, you're still living in the Flintstone era where you pick up a shell or whatever right but for a lot of us you you get texts back and forth all right so i've had this discussion i can't even tell you my times with people well i texted them and they didn't text me back they must be mad at me rude well why do you think they're mad at you what did they say well they didn't say anything that's the whole point they must be mad at me all right so what's going on here what really defines how you take the silence is what you believe about that relationship, about yourself, about that other person. What you believe shows up very quickly. If you believe that this is a solid relationship, that this person cares about you, that, that you've gone through the fires together, that nothing will ever shake your relationship, that 30-second that delay between your text to them and their text back to you doesn't shake you. You're like, they must have sneezed, right? Right? If it's a couple days, you're like, I'm sure something came up. But if what you believe about that relationship is that you don't know where you stand in it, that at any moment they might be mad at you, then as soon as you have one hint of something, what you believe shows up, and it changes your experience. Right? We do this. We go... Well, see, I've got evidence. Look, here's this, here's this, here's this. It must be true. What you don't recognize is underneath of that is your belief system. Because the only evidence you gather is the evidence that agrees with what you believe. And we think that if we can prove that something's true, we've done something. We never stop and look at the experience that it brings. Because what kind of experience does it bring if every relationship in your life is always up for grabs? You've gathered all your evidence. You must be right. And you're also miserable. We never evaluate what we believe by our experience. We just accept what we believe and we move on. Believing can, can work in small things like a texting conversation. It can work in big things. I'll just share this personally with you. Um, when, I was, when I was single, when I was dating people, I came to find out that dating is painful and hard. Um, and can really shake your world. So I decided that dating had to be worth it. What I believed was that it was too dangerous to be frivolous about dating. Like, I don't know, I like you. Ooh, I want a girlfriend. I'm going to have you. I don't want that. Because there's pain that comes from that, from putting yourself out there, from connecting with somebody. At least for me, there was. And so I said, I'm not going to do that until I find somebody that I believe is worth the risk. That I think they are so spectacular and so amazing and so wonderful that I don't care about the cost. Right? And then Dana showed up, and I was like, now, and I literally thought this the first time I saw Dana. I thought, now that girl would be worth the risk. Oh. <laughs> My point is not, you know, some Harlequin romance novel, okay? <laughs> My point is, what I believed in that moment drove what I did next, which is get to know her and say, I'm interested in dating you. Why? Because of what I believed. And so it works across the board. And to me, that's the belief that the Bible talks about. Believing in Jesus and believing like Jesus spoke about and the apostles spoke about, necessarily, absolutely, without a doubt, drives what you do. What we say we believe doesn't always line up with what we actually believe. You can say you believe this, that, and the other thing. We can sing songs that say things that we think are true, but we don't believe them unless we live them. That's the belief the Bible's talking about. When Jesus said, I want you to believe in me, that's the faith Jesus is talking about. So let me give you some examples. Let me give you some some ways to think through this. All right? I've heard some people tell me, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian, I just don't go to church. What you just said doesn't line up with what you do. Why is that? Well, they think they don't have time, or they can be just as close to God at home, or, or with their family, or out in nature, or they have other things that are bigger deals than this church thing. I've heard that before. But Jesus said, and we're going to look at it in the next couple of months, Jesus said the world will identify his disciples by how they love one another. Now that implies connectedness, doesn't it? That implies family. That's necessitated by what Jesus said, that the world will look at Christians and see that they are his because they love one another, because they are connected in these bonds of love. And in fact, that was the identifying mark of the church in the centuries gone by, that they love to get together, they love to worship, they love to learn, and they love to love on each other. See, what they actually believed lined up with what they said they believed. And so it had an effect. It had an action. It had a fruit to it in their life. If you believe, literally, actually believe what Jesus said about how when you help the helpless And the hopeless, you know, the least of these. If you literally believe what he said, that when you help them, you're actually serving him. If you believed that, that's going to have an impact on how you look at the people that are begging on the side of the street, isn't it? Right? Or the somebody who comes into church who doesn't have their act all together. Instead of looking down my nose at them, I say, you know what? The way I serve Jesus Christ is I look at that person like Jesus Christ and I serve them like I would serve Him. If I really believe it, it changes what I do. Maybe you're somebody who's caught in a sin and you can't seem to get yourself untangled. Have you ever asked yourself why? I know people who are just so frustrated and deflated because their pattern of sin in their life never seems to go away. They beat themselves up terrible. They feel crummy all the time. And they believe if they just suffer enough, eventually this magic thing will happen because nobody likes to suffer and they're going to transform and change. You know what really actually has to change? What you believe. Because every temptation is exactly the same. It calls for you to believe that what you're going to get by doing something you know you shouldn't do is what you want. is better for you than the price that you'll pay. That's what you believe. In the moment of temptation, what you believe is that you're better off to do it than to not do it. Sexual sins, an affair, pornography, sex outside of marriage, those kind of things. What? Where's that come from? It comes from what you believe. You believe that the pleasure that you get or the the, the connection that you get is of greater value to you than the price that the Bible says you will pay that God's way is not the best way, that it's out of date or antiquated, or you can't do it, and so you're better off to engage in this. For for somebody who's really stuck in pornography, what you really believe is that the big problem is if somebody found out. And what you've done is you've chosen to believe that the big problem is not the absolute devastation it's doing to your soul. You've chosen not to believe that even though you're experiencing it. It is incredible, the power of belief, because belief can look right in the face of facts and say, no, I believe this anyway. So how do you get unstuck? You start believing differently. Maybe one of your news resolutions is about your finances. You've spent too much. You're, You're dreading that credit card bill coming in from Christmas time. How do you stop spending so much? Why are you spending too much? It comes to your belief system. You believe that the crisis you'll face later isn't coming or that you will get more from making a purchase you can't afford now than you will lose when the bill shows up. You believe it is better off for you to have what you want now that your happiness, your joy, your peace, your connectedness with other people depends on what you spend and so you spend like that because you believe it. And you won't stop spending like that until you stop believing it. Maybe you're going through trials in your life. Do you believe that trials in your life have, make you better Or worse? Make your life better or worse? That will affect how you go through those trials, won't it? You know, you go to the book of James, and James says, count it joy when you fall into trials. That's crazy. Well, How do you do that? You change what you believe. You believe what, what James says, which is that the trial of your faith works patience and perseverance and establishes you and matures you. And many of you have experienced that. And so I don't look at my life and define it by whether I'm in trial or not. What you believe has a lot to do with how you act. And it also has a lot to do with what you expect. You want to know why you're frustrated, angry, upset, stressed all the time? Look at what you believe. We went on New Year's Day. We went to New York City. I know, crazy. We went to New York City. Um, But we, we try to go every Christmas time and look at decorations, whatever. It's just a family outing. And so we went up to New York City. Do you know what I heard while we were walking through Rockefeller Plaza Center? Our complaints about two things. The crowd and the cold. And we were like, is this a surprise to you? What did you believe it was going to be? Uh, Like, they, they reserve the whole plaza for you today? You know? I mean, what you believe says a lot about what frustrates you. What you believe you deserve. What you believe it should be like. What you believe would make your life nice. Change what you actually believe, and you will change what you actually do. Not change what you say you believe, what you decide to believe. Change what you actually functionally believe. And it works the other way. If you want to know what you believe, look at what you do and work backwards. What you say you believe may not be what you actually believe, but if you look at what you do, you can work backwards to, well, why do I do that? What do I believe that's driving that? For example, some people say that they believe that the relationship they're in is unhealthy. But they don't act like that. They act like it's the relationship that they have to have. What do you actually believe? You actually believe that's the relationship you want. Until you stop believing it's the relationship that you have to have, you won't stop pursuing it. Any kind of believing that doesn't direct what you do in every area, mentally, physically, financially, socially, isn't what Jesus is talking about when he says, believe in me. This whole thing where he says, when a man believes in me, that whole thing, this whole ministry is about a belief that changes what you do. And until it changes what you do, it's not the kind of believing Jesus is talking about. That's one thought. Second thought, another thing about believing I want to give to you is this. Jesus calls for every single person to decide what they believe, to make the choice for themselves. What's that mean? Number one, it means you actually can choose what you believe. But number two, and please get this, it means you can't believe for anybody else. You are literally not responsible for what other people believe. If the church could get a hold of this, if families could get a hold of this, that no matter how much you love someone, you can't change what they believe, they have to change what they believe. It's their call. All you can do is choose what you believe. If we could get a hold of that, there could be absolute power unleashed. A testimony that you would not believe. If we stop trying to tell everybody else what they're supposed to believe and we just made sure we know what we believe and that we are actually putting our trust in Jesus like he asks us to, we are not responsible for what anyone else believes. There is no hope in trying to make sure that others believe what is right. There is no hope in trying to make sure others believe what is right about you. Get a hold of that. There is no hope in trying to make others think the right thing about you. You don't control what they believe. There is no hope in trying to make other people think the right thing about God. You don't, you're not responsible for that. You don't answer for that. You answer for you. What do you believe? When will people shake off these these false bonds of trying to manipulate other people because I care about them? You are responsible for what you believe and as an added bonus, the best appeal you can make to other people is for you to actually live what you believe. Simple example. You want to have an impact for the cause of Christ? Do you want to have a simple impact for the cause of Christ? Show up for church. How does that have an impact for the cause of Christ? This is crazy. But I, if you actually show up, people intuitively know that you must believe it's important. You're going to take a Sunday morning that you can sleep in and you're going to come out to church? That must be important to you. Well, now you've made the strongest argument for them to join you because you think it's important, because you've chosen what you believe. As an added bonus to being responsible solely for myself, if I will live out what I believe, it actually makes an appeal, a best way to make a case for others to believe with you. And we do this all the time. When you apply for a job, someone asks you for references. I don't know you, but somebody else knows you. And so I'll listen to what they have to say about you and decide whether or not I'm going to listen to you. Right, We have t-shirts that, we're, that we have available for people to buy. Our name on the front and the, the website on the back, a black t-shirt. Why do we have that? Because if you're walking around in a t-shirt that says hope, somebody's going to look at you and say, well, you're wearing a t-shirt. You must really believe in that place. It's, it's just a natural, like, you come to this natural conclusion. Well, you believe it enough to wear it. Must be something there, right? Testimonials. We have a natural affinity to believe what people actually do and so believing is more than just ticking off a bunch of concepts that you agree with yep 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 belief biblically is active and has very specific results and belief is personal and has something is something that you choose that you choose for you and one other thing before we get back to this to now we talk about belief now we have some context for it One more thing, and I think this is really, really important, because I think if if our church is going to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and introduce people to Jesus, this is huge, huge, huge. Jesus doesn't call us to believe facts. Jesus never asked them to believe a list of concepts or ideas or doctrines or truths. He calls them to believe in Him. To trust Him, a person. So it isn't what you believe, it's who you believe. And it flows out of that. Our believing in God's Word is always about believing in a person, not a doctrine. Did you notice as we started the book of John that John used the title for Jesus of the Word? The Word that we read today comes out of the Word, the expression of God. It isn't about saying, yes, I agree with that fact, and yes, that's true, and I think that's true. It's about, do you trust Him? That's the kind of belief we're talking about. And so, folks, we're called believers. I say this a lot. If you're a believer, you are labeled with this action of belief. And my question for you today is, are you believing like that? Look at your life. Jesus presents believing as the thing that characterizes those who follow him, those who are his. Is it us? Or did we just adopt a label without the reality? Jesus says that believing is the answer to your personal darkness. What if it is? What if believing is the answer to the things that trouble your soul, the things that keep you up at night, the stress that that weighs you down every single day, the stuff that keeps you chained up no matter how hard you try to break free? What if believing, like Jesus asks you to believe in Him, is actually the hope for life. Not just life here, but eternal life. And so as we read this, this is what I'm asking you. Do you believe like that? So let's get into this summary. I just want to look at a couple things. First thing it starts with is Jesus cried out. Jesus cried out. And that idea is he made a public proclamation This wasn't available for everybody. This wasn't a secret, he told on the side. We're about to get into some places where he's just talking to his disciples. They're the only ones who hear this stuff and see this stuff. But up till now, he has made a public proclamation, an open invitation for everyone to come and believe, to make that choice of belief. Throughout the gospel, he's asked them to believe in him. And by believing in him, it's the same thing he says here. When they believe in me, they don't just believe in me, but they believe in the one who sent me. Basically what he says is, I am the one from God. I am God in human flesh. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. That's what he has said over and over again. You're not just accepting me as a man or as another good teacher. You are accepting me as exactly who I am. God Almighty, the messenger of God. From God, Jesus says you can't believe in God without believing in Jesus and vice versa. In other words, because we are the same, because we are one, because I and my Father are one, you cannot pick and choose. Well, I believe in God, but I don't know what I think about Jesus. Well, then you don't believe in God. At least not the way the Bible declares him. Not the way Jesus talked about him. If you believe in God, but you don't know what you think about Jesus, then, then the God that Jesus talked about is not the God that you're trying to serve. The God you're serving is a lie. That's, it's that real. It's that like in or out from the mouth of Jesus Christ. If they had believed, if these people had responded to the call for Jesus to believe in him, what would they have done? They would have accepted him. They would have received him. They would have welcomed him as king. See, their belief would have changed what they did. We saw a few times as we went through the story in the Gospel of John that many believed, but it didn't do anything. And we saw that that wasn't really counted as the kind of faith, the kind of believing Jesus was talking about. And so believing is a choice that we make. It is implied in the call to believe. You choose what you believe, even if it feels like you don't. And I will say this as I talk about this, because some of you are emotional people. And what you believe is that your emotions are telling you the truth. Emotions are not great truth-tellers. At least not the way that we take them. In other words, if you're in pain, are your emotions telling you the truth that you're in pain? Sure. But are they telling you the truth about why you're in pain? Probably not. Emotions are not great truth-tellers. And there are things that happen in our lives that make it feel like they've overwhelmed us, they've flooded us, they've, made, they've taken the choice away from me. They've powerfully and suddenly changed what I believe and it's, it wasn't because I chose it. It just, just happened to me. Things like abuse, rejection, can change what you believe about yourself. Who am I? Do I have worth? Do I matter? Some of you, the biggest work of God has been to dive into your soul and to show you that you matter because you are made by His hand. Because He loves you. Because He, he paid a price for you. You matter, but you've got to believe it. You've got to embrace it. Betrayal can change what you believe about relationships and risk and other people. If someone has turned their back on you, someone that you put your trust in has let you down, that can absolutely mess up the way that you look at relationships. Circumstances can change what you believe about God and His goodness and His faithfulness. But what I'm saying to you is that wave may hit you and it may feel like this and those whispers might be in your head, but ultimately the choice about what you believe is yours. You can choose even if it feels like you can't. And so from today on, this year, this week, this day, the question is, what will you choose to believe? Jesus says, believe in me, believe in me. Second part of this summary, uh, believing includes a choice to act. In verses 46 and 47, he talks about, I've come into the world as a light, so that no one believes in me should stay in darkness. The person who hears my words but does not keep them. See, there is this implication about when I hear and I believe, then I do. Notice Jesus talks about light. He delivers you from darkness into light. Why light? Think about what light was like for a farmer. For a sheep herder back in the day. What did light mean? It meant safety. It meant I can see. I can go do what I need to do. If I'm a farmer, I didn't do my farming at night. I did my farming in the day when there was light. Because why? Because I could see what was there. And I could address it. I could act on what I saw. At night, I would just be stumbling around. But in the day, I can see. And what Jesus says is if you believe, you go into the light and you actually see what's there and you can react. You will do what belief drives you to do. He says, if you believe in me, you will keep my words. That's kind of the implication there is you will keep my words. You will act on what I have said. In the biggest sense, Jesus' message to these people was about eternal life and death. If you believe that I am God, in human flesh, God's Son, come to die and save you from your sin, that your sin will send you to an eternity in hell and suffering forever, but that I have come to wash your sin away, to make you born again in Jesus Christ, and to, to give you a home in heaven for eternity. If you believe that, what will you do? you give your life to Him. If you don't believe it, you'll stay on the fence or you'll reject it. So ultimately, Jesus' biggest thing was this idea of deliverance for everyone from the universal cancer of the soul that we call sin. Today, so many in our world are blind to the destination of sin. Where is sin taking them? Even those who are believers, those who follow Jesus, live like they are in darkness, like they can't see where sin will take them. Well, what Jesus says is if you believe, it brings light. You aren't in darkness anymore, you're in light. And so do you believe like Jesus invites you to? Are you in the light? Are you reacting to what you see by faith, by trusting him, by believing in him? And Jesus says, I don't judge them. I came to save, not judge. And so some people are like, well, Jesus isn't even a judge. He's, he's not going to judge you. Jesus doesn't judge you. Why would I judge you? That's not really his point here. Jesus has said at other times... God the Father will give me judgment and I will judge all the nations. What he's saying is right now I didn't come to judge the world now. I came to save the world now. The opportunity you have right now is for salvation. The opportunity you have in this choice of belief for your life is the choice of life or death in every aspect of your life. Will you believe or will you not believe? And so Jesus is not anti-judgment what he's saying is, right now is the time to respond. The time to focus on salvation. It's like you know when our when our kids were younger, like two days ago, and they and I would say to them, "Go clean your room," and they would say to me, "Or what?" <laughs> yeah, that never worked well. Has never turned out well. What are they doing? They're evaluating their choice of what they believe is more valuable. Well, if I clean the room, then I've got to go clean the room, and I've got to do all this boring cleaning stuff. Is it worth it? What am I going to get if I don't clean the room? And people think that there is like this, this balancing act with Jesus or not Jesus. I don't know. Should I trust Jesus? Should I not trust Jesus? Jesus says, listen, what's coming is so horrific, there's not even a choice. Don't even ask or what. Just believe. Just put your faith in me. Just follow me. That's the idea, what Jesus says. Belief acts. There's no comparison between believing and not believing. One is life, one is death. And so belief follows. It hears the words of Jesus. There's an expectation that it keeps the words of Jesus. Believing is equated to acting like something is true. And so what does your life say is true? Are you living in ways that are sinful, ways that are selfish, things that are fleshly? Do you believe that somehow if you do enough of them, if you chase them hard enough, if you go fast enough at them, somewhere you'll find some satisfaction to your soul? Is that what you believe? Or do you believe that investing in my church, in my relationship with God, in my primary callings like family will always be far better investments than the temporal things like financial security, popularity, ambition. In that showdown, it comes down to what do you believe? Jesus closes by saying, there's always a time that you face the fallout of what you believe. In this instance, it's death or life. Some of you are living in the fallout of what you've believed. Do you believe your marriage is hopeless? Then you're living in the fallout of that, aren't you? Do you believe that your children are, are crazy? you believe that they're just the biggest problem? and You're living in the fallout of that. Then, right? Do you believe that your job is your biggest problem? Do you believe that finances, if you could get enough finances, it would solve your life? Then you're living in the fallout of what you believe, aren't you? Right? We live in the fallout of what we believe. And we don't connect the dots. Maybe you never thought of it this way before, but Jesus says condemnation comes for those who don't believe. In other words, judgment day comes. The word here, condemn, is a word to mean find guilty and is sentence to, to suffering and just punishment. Condemnation. For, for what Jesus is talking about, eternal life and death, that's plain as day. But the reality is, all of our believing brings fruit, brings fallout, brings consequences. If you're tired of the fruit that your life is bringing, change what you believe. Stop believing what is bringing the fruit that is bitter and empty, that makes you feel lost, that keeps you wandering. It's a fruit of what you've been believing. And so today, that's the invitation. What are you believing? Will you believe in Him? Are you tired of living stuck, miserable? Look at what you're believing because it's bearing fruit. You don't want. Are you tired of saying you believe something but never living like it's true? Start believing. Look at your faith. Are you living every day worn out because what your soul knows is different than what you've been believing? In other words, you're acting in a way and there is this tension inside of you because what your soul knows is true, you're not acting like it's true. And so you're miserable, and you're worn out in this internal tension because Jesus has come, and you're like, yeah, I have, but you haven't. Will you come? Will you give him your heart? Will you believe in him today? So we're going to close with a song today, and that song really offers that opportunity, that choice for you to simply choose to believe in Jesus it starts by believing not in something but in someone and I would say to everyone here, you can do that right now. Maybe you don't know where your problem of belief has been. God will show you if you'll ask him. He will. I've seen it an amazing amount of times. What is driving your life today tomorrow it's what you believe. Will you choose to believe in Jesus? I have searched to find the meaning of this life. So